This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hi, welcome to Clothes Making Mavens. I'm Helena from grayallday.com. And I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. On today's episode, we got the chance to talk to Montoya Mayo, who is a darling blogger, and she's got a YouTube channel where her tagline is So Stitch Slay, which is just perfect for her because she really slays with her colorful outfits. She uses these dramatic silhouettes and prints and really shows off her personality in such a unique way that both Lori and I had to talk to her. Mm -hmm. She slays for sure. That's definitely a good tagline for her. So that's coming up. Just before we chat with Montoya, though, I wanted to mention to our listeners that I've started up, I don't maybe I'm crazy. I started up a bit of an initiative online called hashtag slow fashion 2020. And I've started a Facebook group. um, And I'm about to kind of seeded out through Instagram. But the idea is that in the year 2020, I'm inviting people, and they don't have to be sewists at all, but it seems like this is probably appropriate for sewists as well, um, to just think about fast fashion and our society's general overconsumption of fashion and what that is doing to our planet uh, in terms of the resources it takes and some of the um, chemicals that are used and released into the environment in leather tanning and cotton production and polyester production, uh, in terms of the shipping, in terms of the conditions for garment workers overseas and often dangerous conditions. And we know about things like the Rana Plaza disaster where a garment factory collapsed because the building wasn't properly maintained and and hundreds and hundreds was it thousands even thousands it was thousands of people died Mm -hmm. yeah so we all know and we've talked a lot about sustainability on this podcast and so we know about you know our our new and i say new because uh the number of garments that are purchased now compared to even just 15 or or so years ago has more than doubled. And we are Mm. using garments for far less time. We're using them a couple of times and getting rid of them, sending them straight to landfill. And so Slow Fashion 2020 is all about inviting people to make their own pledge around this issue in 2020. So it could be something as extreme as, I am not going to buy any new clothes at all in 2020. Or it could be something like, uh, well, what did you pledge, Helena? I know you've joined up and you've made a pledge. So what was your pledge for Slow Fashion 2020? Uh, My pledge is to only buy one garment, uh, at most, buy one garment a month. And I think that'll keep me very mindful and thoughtful about what I buy. And the biggie is that I only buy one pair of shoes. I said one pair of shoes, right, Lori? You did, and I'm holding you accountable to that. Because <laughs> I debated one shoe, one pair or two. I guess I said one, and that is what I will do. That's a big one for me. That is um, a big during one. Our, during our ready-to-wear fast, um, not this year, but last year, I ramped up the shoe consumption quite a bit. It was a and bit of a replacement for buying clothes, yes, right? Yes, yeah. it was. It was. And so I... Um, I'm going through a little bit of a home renovation. I had to take all my shoes out of the shoe closet so they could tile in there. And well, I didn't do it. My husband did it. And I, I don't know if he was doing this 
on purpose to shame me or what, but he spread them all (laughs) over the playroom on the floor. And I really had to take stock in, um, in my soul about how many pairs of shoes I was harboring. In your soul and your souls, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I saw there was just a lot of shoes in there that I do love and I don't wear. You know how you get stuck in a rut and you wear those same boots every day during the winter. And I thought, wow, I really need to, before I purchase any more, um, need to, to wear some of those. So, right. Yeah. That was my pledge. So good for you for pledging that. Yeah. I love the concept that everyone can, um, have their own pledge and, decide what is the best way to contribute. I love that. Yeah. And so someone might even pledge, maybe they're not going to go all of 2020 doing the thing they said they would do. Maybe they will only pledge to do it for three months, which is totally fine. Um, Or maybe someone will decide I am going to buy new clothes, but I will pledge to only buy them from local independent uh, clothing Mm -hmm. makers, for example. Mm -hmm. Or um, if I need any new clothes, I will either sew them or swap with friends or buy them secondhand, for example. So it's not uh, nearly as restrictive as the ready-to-wear fast was, which was like, here are the rules and you can't buy anything and you got to sew it Mm -hmm. if you need it, which was fine. And and it was a really great experience. But I thought this kind of opens it up a little bit to people who might be a little bit intimidated by the idea of going and an entire 12 months without buying something new or whatever. So come on over to our Facebook group, look up Slow Fashion 2020 on Facebook. And uh, we'll also put a link to that in the show notes and look out for it on Instagram. And I hope that if you're listening and you would like to think about making a pledge and joining our group, the group is just there for us to kind of encourage each other and share our knowledge and resources and maybe tips on how do you repair this thing, you know, that I want to keep wearing Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So hope to see you over there. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, so our interview with the lovely Montoyo Mayo is coming up. But first, we have a special segment from our Joy correspondent. Here she is. Hi, guys. It's Hila here from Saturday Night Stitch, your resident Joy correspondent. So today, I really want to talk about the joy of sewing books. So... This came around because winter weather is on the horizon here and the clouds are gathering for me. I am intensely affected by the lack of sunlight and so I dread the colder months. Winter is naturally a period for slowing down, going inward and trying to contain our energy. I'm very aware of this because aside from sewing, I am also a very keen gardener. But this season, I am determined to replenish and recuperate my deeper sewing energy by honoring the natural push and pull of the season. And that way I can be raring to go when spring comes around and I can be full of creative new ideas. And this is how the joy of reading sewing books came about. And I'm not talking about sewing books as in technique books. I mean fiction books that have an element of sewing to them. This year, I've read two fiction books that have sewing as one of the central themes. And so for this season, as I replenish my physical sewing energy, I look forward to wrapping up warmly in my handmade closet case Claire Court, of course, putting on my boots and going out for a brisk, refreshing walk to blow out the cobwebs before curling up and snuggling to read a sewing book. 
A wise person once said, you know you've read a good book when you turn the last page and feel a little as if you've lost a friend. I thoroughly felt this way about the books that I'm about to recommend if you're looking for a starting point for a good sewing book to read. Now, first off on my list is The Forgotten Seamstress. This was an enlightening read that touches upon the interconnected aspects of sewing and mental health, and it's set in Edwardian England. Without giving away too many spoilers, let's just say that I was quite shocked to find out that the author, Liz Trenow, doesn't actually sew herself. It is a brilliant read and worth a pickup if you are looking for something to read on those cold wintry evenings. Another book that I would recommend, although this one isn't quite fiction per se, but it is actually part coffee table book, part witty inspiration and part tough love, is Karen Bowles' The Little Book of Sewing. This is the sort of book that you can pick up, open to a random page and enjoy Karen's salubrious writing style. It is a charming little book that is packed with essays, anecdotes and quotes from Karen's long-standing sewing blog, Did You Make That? And finally, here is a book set in pre- and post-revolution Mexico, which features a vintage sewing machine much to my delight. The Murmur of Bees is a beautiful, luminous book written by Sofia Segovia, and it was translated into English by Simon Bruni. The story is intensely, beautifully written, and it is filled with magical realism, mystery, and tragedy. It's certainly a book that transports you to a different era, and I love it when books do that. So, lovely sewing people, even as the wintry nights may reduce my sewing activity levels, reading these books keeps me sewing through the magic of books, whereby I can escape into another world. And if that includes sewing, then it's all that more joyful. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's back to Helena and Laurie for more clothes making mavens shenanigans. Bye. <laughs> shenanigans i love you Hila. thank you so much for that that certainly makes me want to curl up and read a good book during this cold weather i know yeah thank you for the recommendations so helena tell me about the sewing uh the sewing room clean out that you've done i can see over our video connection here that your sewing room is empty you're gonna have some kind of crazy echoing on your your microphone today I think because there's like no fabric at all in that room <laughs> right to insulate uh yeah I am getting new floors and I'm so excited to get hardwood floors in here because you know it's gonna be so much easier to um to get the threads and stuff like that stuff gets embedded in the carpet I feel like the vacuum doesn't even do it anymore but right. um but yeah I had to take everything out of this room. And I have been dreading this for months. Like, you know, I want new floors, but I don't want to have to do this. So, um, mm. I did it today. My mommy came and helped me. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> nice She's all for Yay, getting mom. stuff out. So 
Oh, wow. That must have been something. Yeah. Um, so we should say hello to Montoya. Hi, I Montoya. Know. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Of course. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you over the internet. Nice to meet you as well. And of course, <laughs> I've been a big fan. I think for most of our oh. listeners, probably a lot of them have heard of you. I mean, anyone oh, who wow. uh, likes... Uh, bold, colorful, gorgeous yeah. clothes. Aww. Check. Um, anyone who <laughs> likes free sewing tutorials. Check. Uh, anyone who likes matching their clothes to their necklace. Like, and I mean, like exactly. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so, oh, thank you. You do so much amazing, so many amazing things to do with sewing online. But so, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. One of the things that I was hoping we could talk about uh, in having you on is I'm just all agog over your garments. They're just so beautiful. They're so colorful. You often use yeah. Ankara fabric, um, which I think is also called wax print fabric or Dutch wax print or African wax print. Can you tell us a little bit about that fabric and what role it plays in your personal style? Uh, it's it's actually the fabric that inspired me to begin sewing. Um, I had a sewing machine that my sister bought. I used to make blankets and I would sew their names on by hand. And then I got a sewing machine for my um, for my birthday, and I tried using it. It started going out of control, and I said, "Well, I'm going back to hand sewing." And then I uh, met my best friend in college. We became roommates, and she's Nigerian. And I just became immersed in her culture, going to different events and just seeing, you know, all the beautiful colors. And before I was just, before I was her roommate, I only wore neutral tones. I did not wear color at all. Like, my mom, even, like, now that I wear all this color, she's like, I'm so amazed. You have just changed. You would never wear this before. And I'm like, I know. But ever since just seeing the fabric, it just inspired me so much that I decided I'm going to, you know, you know what? I'm actually going to give this sewing thing a, a second try. So just the fabric itself inspired me to want to start to make my own clothes because it's so beautiful, so bold, so bright. And I just love the way that it complements my skin tone. And um, yeah, I love it. Wow, it's it's almost impossible to imagine you wearing only neutrals after what I've seen of you <laughs> online and on Instagram. No way. <laughs> I know, I know. And now I can't, if it's not colorful, like even during the winter and the fall, I still have to wear bright colors. I just, I love oh, it. It looks great too. Now you live in California, correct? What part of California yes. are you in? I'm in Northern California in Sacramento. Okay, so when you say winter, so as someone who lives in Canada and Toronto, I'm doing air quotes here. When you say winter, okay, if you're in Northern California, oh, I, I might give you that. I might give you that. But. Oh, yeah, it's it's cold to me. Like When it gets to about 50, I'm like, whoo, this is freezing. Me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, but my, my sister said that summer just left a couple days ago, so this is like your first cold snap. This week, yes, yeah. yes. You finally are getting I am some freezing. Yeah. Getting some winter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's super fun. Um, so, do you come down to LA and go fabric shopping down here, or where do you go fabric shopping I... over in Sacramento? 
Well, actually, I do a lot of my fabric shopping online. Mm, Etsy mm-hmm. is my best friend. I have found my favorite uh, fabric shops that I love. So House of um, Mommy Water, um, a couple of other ones, too, that I, I f- have favorited. And I just, I actually spend my Saturday mornings <laughs> on Etsy oh, shopping for fabric fine. online. Like That's like what I like to do when I wake up, I get to sleep in and uh, so mostly on Etsy is where I get all my Ankara fabric from and for my solid color fabrics at Joann's. And then there's another local fabric store that I like to go to as well. Oh, that's mm. nice. And that's good. Now, when you mm. say solid colored fabrics, I should... I. I want to point out that we're okay, solid colors, but still amazingly. <laughs> like, you right. made something out of a gorgeous, bright yellow. I think it was a duster, yes. am I correct? And it was a solid yes. yellow, but wow, that was a show stopping piece. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, let's see, which do, I'm trying to think. I mix yellow is like my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, you have two like, don't sleeveless. You? Yeah, you have a sleeveless one, yeah. and then you have one with like bishop sleeves, right? That you gathered at the. Yeah, I have. You have a high low, yes. high low wrap coat in yellow, and then um, I have a sleeveless duster, and I actually lined that with uh, with um, some Ankara fabric as well on the inside. So I have the yellow on the outside, and I could reverse it to the opposite side. Um, I would lose my oh, pockets, but you know, I'm, you cool. know, I'm crazy about pockets. But um, yeah, so my uh, the duster, um, I love. wearing long coats I especially love wearing those outside the way that it just blows when that wind catches that hem and it's just as you walk you just look so so regal you know by the way that it's it's draped and cut so I really love um I really love that one and also the high low uh I love wearing that one as well I actually wore a similar one like that to work and I'm a fourth and fifth grade teacher so I, I wore the one uh, black and white one that I have. That's a high-low wrap coat. And one of my students said, Miss Mayo, what, where, when did you make that one? Like, I love it. Are you, like, going to the Kids' Choice Awards with Zendaya? I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. I'm like, I guess she, re- she really thought my coat was just so, so regal, you know, and Looked like I was going to an award show. Wow. And a high-low wrap coat. <laughs> and I'm getting a great visual there with the wind blowing and billowing yeah. out behind you as you just, you know, yeah. strut down the down the street. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, they are statements. I wanted to ask you about about your teaching. So you, so you do a grade four and five. Yes. Um, and I read something super cute on your Instagram that you posted recently. Um, one of your students told you that she knew you'd made the skirt you were wearing because it matched your necklace. Yeah. And she said, I know you like to do that a lot, but you're not just picking out any necklace that matches your skirt. You're actually making them from the same fabric as the skirt. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, well, I'm, I am a fabric hoarder. I hoard all of my fabric, the scraps, even if it's the smallest piece. I'm like, mm, I think one day I'll make some some earrings out of it. Um, so I have a whole bin just dedicated to my scrap fabric. And my favorite thing to do is make necklaces, bracelets, earrings. So when people ask me to, you know, make them something, I'm like, I'm a selfish seamstress, but I may use my scrap fabric to gift you some earrings 
or a necklace. But um, I do love to repurpose and um, reuse the scraps because the colors are just so beautiful. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'll come up with another idea in the future of how to uh, use my scrap fabric in different ways. Um, so yeah, I, I love using my scraps. Actually, my first time making a necklace was for my sister and I just had some leftover fabric and I just started sewing a tube and then I tried actually stuffing it with pillow stuffing first, but then that evolved to me then um, trying, you know, different measurements and trying to, um, you know, use different things to fill the tube to make the necklace. Uh, so I love using my scraps to just practice different things. And we should probably describe the necklace. So um, some of the ones I've seen that you wear have uh, numerous tubes that mm -hmm. drape around your neck and kind mm -hmm. of almost form, what would you call it? Like almost like a big collar, collar but not a choker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. those are really, so what, what do you fill them with then? I use rope. Ah, okay. Because yes, uh -huh. they're with really round still. They're not, they don't look heavy at all. So that's mm -hmm. really clever. Yeah, it's a, it's a lighter weight rope. I went to Home Depot and just bought a few different pieces um, because they sell them by, you know, the foot. And so I just tested out as many rope pieces of rope as they had. And then I found the, the right one, the, which is, you know, some nylon. It's very lightweight and it, it bends very easily. Um, so I decided to, to use that. And since then, I've just been testing different lengths. So I have some that are four strands all the way to 14 strands. <laughs> and so I just like to practice. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I think you have a tutorial on your YouTube channel for doing the necklaces. Am I right? It's actually, well, it's a preview. It's actually it was my first product oh. that I created for my shop that I made. But it was like just the introduction of this is something that I have been practicing, you know, for about a year. And then I decided at first I was selling them on Etsy, but I decided that I'm not a salesperson in that sense of creating and sewing for others, but I'm more so a teacher. I love to share my knowledge and uh, create tutorials for others to learn. So then that's when I started to transition into making tutorials. Mm. And I have to say, you're really generous in terms of sharing your Aww. your sewing knowledge <laughs> and your designs. Um, I love the uh, the fold over clutch bag that you oh, have a tutorial yeah, for. Can uh -huh. you can you describe that a little bit for us? Oh, okay, so I made that one in the summertime. Um, so I used some faux suede and I lined it, and I actually used um, I created my own. A tassel at the end so it's a nice fold over clutch I didn't want it to be uh, too stiff so I just um, I interfaced just the lining at the bottom portion so that it could still fold over nicely and then I also I wanted it to also be a crossbody bag so the tabs that I have for the strap they're actually hidden on the inside so when you take the strap off you won't be able to see the tabs so just small little details that I added on to that clutch. Very smart. And, and I got to say, I love that concept for a clutch. So it's basically, I guess you could say it's 
is it a rec? It's not a rectangle. It's more like a square shape. The whole thing, if it were lying flat, but then you can fold it halfway so it becomes a clutch. But for me, I'm always like a clutch. I'm always thinking, ain't nobody got time to be handling a clutch and worrying about that, right? So I love that you have the straps that you can just put it across your body. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a lot of teaching. That's on your blog, you say that your life's purpose is to educate and teach. So that kind of, you're already a school teacher and then that flows over to your sewing is, how did that all come about? Let's see, when I was, I started teaching when I was in college, actually, I, I didn't, I thought I was going to be an accountant. I, when I was in high school, I loved math and I was just very passionate about math and just thinking about different careers, I was thinking, okay, I love numbers. I'm going to be an accountant. And when I, my sophomore year of college, I was working as an after-school teacher. And from then on, year after year, I just stayed in education. And everyone would ask me, are you eventually going to become a teacher? And I'm like, no, I'm maybe um, education reform, maybe get into education policy. But I don't think I'll be an actual school teacher. But that's why now I, I will say, I will never say never. You never know what is in your future. Um, I met with a principal. She had saw my resume and she wanted me to do this teaching credential program. So I dived into that and just I just noticed that the one thing that I enjoyed the most is sharing my knowledge with people and then them being able to take that knowledge and use it for their own purpose and develop and grow and just flourish with it. I'm, I'm like, this is this is my purpose to, you know, use the things that I know to help somebody in any way in their life. You know, even with sewing, I get messages about, you know, this has taught me how to sew. I never thought I would be able to do this, but your tutorial helped me. This is my first time sewing or, you know, just even dealing with different mental health concerns people are saying you know sewing has been helping them heal and you know just hearing different things like that it motivates me and I know that this is my purpose is to continue to educate and everything that I know I should give freely and share nice I love that. I'm a teacher too. I teach at a university and, uh, you know, so I can relate to the idea of how satisfying it is to feel like you've contributed to someone else's growth or Mm -hmm. self-knowledge or even just building a skill or or whatever it may be. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. And I can only imagine from having looked at some of your YouTube videos that your students must just love being in your class. I'm sure it's so much fun. (laughs) Yes, they, they do. I I really love my students and my school also. They, you know, every time I I wear something, they're like, Miss Mayo, did you make that? Miss Mayo, did you make that? And I'm like, yes, I did. And I have actually taught a a few of them how to sew, uh, how to make um, a skirt, one of the tutorials I have on my channel, and then also some pillows for some other students. And, um, you know, during the summertime when I was wearing my skirts to work, one of my students was saying, I want that one. I want to use that fabric. When are sewing lessons with Miss Mayo? 
because I have Mayo money is one of my class incentives and I have different coupons. And one of the coupons is sewing lessons with Miss Mayo so they can buy that and I will give them a lesson. So I bring in my sewing machine. I bring in, you know, fabric. I ask them what they like and, you know, I actually gave some of my students some fabric for my stash. And they were like, you really love us, Miss Mayo, because we know how you feel about your fabric. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I do love you. I'm giving you fabric from my personal stash. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. So what, what do students have to do to earn some, some mayo money? I know. That's amazing. So uh, being on task, doing your work, following directions the first time, modeling excellent fifth grade behavior, um, quality work, um, you know, even if a student is having challenges and they're turning it around, you know, I'm always about positive reinforcement and, um, you know, and they also earn money. Everyone in the class has a job. Everybody, everybody has a job and they all contribute to the class community. So I also pay them every two weeks. They get a paycheck. And <laughs> That's, yeah. great. That's great. They get paid for, you know, contributing to the class you know, doing their job, they get paid. <laughs> That's so amazing. What a, what a wonderful approach. That sounds really terrific. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. It's so great that you got them excited about sewing, too. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. We are taking over the world here. <laughs> I know. Converting everyone. I know. <laughs> and I have some really gifted students who just their drawings are amazing. And I'm like, yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely be a designer. One of them wrote for their hopes and dreams. Um, their dream was to design their own clothes one day like Miss Mayo. I'm like, oh, oh thank you. So like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure that they can see it's, it's, uh, you wear things that they would not be seeing in stores. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You wear things that I think also speak to a real uh, pride about um, an African heritage using mm-hmm. the Ankara. Am I saying it correctly? Ankara or is it Ankara. Uh, people have pronounced it uh, di- different ways with an accent. My friend has just always told me to say it An- Ankara or Ankara. Okay, um, got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I- I'm sure that inspires your students because they know you are wearing something very special. And so, you know, I could see where that would get them excited about wanting to be able to learn that skill. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 definitely are are waiting for me to bring bring back the sewing lessons. I told them 2020, I will be ready. Nice. That's amazing. That is not an easy feat to do with, I mean, I guess you're used to dealing with fifth graders, but I have a fifth grader at home and she won't listen to a word I say. <laughs> there is no sewing lessons going in my home. You gotta institute a cash reward system, Helena. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Because that is, yeah, my hat's off to you for taking that on. That's amazing. Well, I think we should introduce her to Montoya here because, uh, yeah, that might work. Yeah, it would be much more compelling if you and your beautiful outfits and stuff. Like, she thinks that the things I make are boring and, you know, they're not they're not nearly the colorful, inspiring garments that you're making, you know. And oh. I think that using those fabrics... I mean, they aren't things that you can find in the store and it opens up the world to them when they see that you're not just, you, you don't just have these five choices from Target 
that you can design what you want. You can have the fabric that you want and kids are so receptive to that. So I'm sure it's, it's inspiring. I think my daughter would be much more inspired if I wore more Ankara (laughs) 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 blue all the time or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, they, they, they definitely are. Uh, inspired. I tell them, you know, because sometimes when I'm teaching math, you know, they say, we're not even going to use this. And, you know, (laughs) I've always challenged them that, you know, you're learning critical thinking skills, problem solving skills. And, you know, I reference that to when I'm sewing, you know, a lot of things that I create, I'm doing trial and error using math, using my critical thinking skills, um, you know, to help me to design different things, to calculate measurements when I'm creating a measurement guide, you know, all of those different things. Um, so I always bring it back to that. I always reference, you know, how I have grown in sewing also to inspire them that you're not always going to know how to do something right away the first time. It's not always going to come easy to you. And that's okay. It's good to be challenged. That's where your growth comes from. So I tell them, you know, when I first started sewing and, you know, I'm always wearing something that I made, I say, you know, I wasn't wearing beautiful coats like this or a beautiful skirt like this. You know, I wasn't always making things. I had to start small in the beginning and then challenge myself and make mistakes. And then I grew from making my mistakes. So don't be afraid to make a mistake. It's okay. You will learn and you will grow from it and you will get better. And so that's how I always bring it back into the classroom. Mm, that's so, and that's that. such good yeah. advice for any age at all. Anybody who's beginning sewing, oh, yeah. whether they're mm-hmm. nine years old or 90 years old, that's really good mm-hmm. advice because there's definitely going to be some uh, questionable results that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Like we talked about last week, I'm still having questionable results, you guys. <laughs> Sometimes I have sewing <laughs> no. fails. It's sad. No, me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah, you got to take the risk. You got to fail for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the specifics of working with Ankara fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it, it's often a similar weight and drape to, it's made of cotton, right? Uh, so it's yes. kind of like quilting cotton, would you say, in, in its weight and its drape? Yeah, it, it has a similar weight and drape uh, to that of quilting cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, you know, we've talked about quilting cotton a little bit here and there on this podcast before, because on one hand, it can be a wonderful fabric to sew with because of course it comes in many prints and so does the Ankara. It's so beautiful. Um, and it's easy to sew. It's very forgiving. It doesn't shift around on you. It's easy to cut. It's easy to, to stitch together without pins and that sort of thing. But on the con side of that, I think is you're working with a fairly stiff drape. It's not necessarily a con, it's just a different thing. Um, but you know, it's, and it's maybe not very forgiving on the fit because there's not there isn't any stretch, right? So can you tell us, I mean, I feel like you must be really expert at working with this kind of fabric. So tell us what you think, like what are some of your tips and what are some of the best garments you find, uh, like garment styles that seem to work really well for that kind of fabric? Um, The best garments I find are skirts. And I don't know if it's because I'm biased because I love skirts so much, Um, but I do find that those are the best 
because you can um, because sometimes the fabric is directional and it may be going with the cross grain instead of on grain. And I find that when I create my skirts, I'm creating them a lot on the cross grain. And by, you know, doing that, there's, you know, even less it's even less forgiving, less stretch. Mm. So I um, skirts are the number one and. And it can be a gathered skirt and also uh, circle skirts, I find, work really well. And I'm into flat front elastic back skirts these days. So mm. um, that's my favorite to do because I made a circle skirt, my first circle skirt out of Ankara and about five years ago. And I definitely cannot zip that up anymore. Uh, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> So, um, you know, that's but uh, skirts I find work really well and also um, dusters, jacket, any type of any style of of jacket that won't be um, too close fitting. Mm -hmm. And I actually sometimes I do take the risk. And if it's for if the pattern is for a knit fabric, I still do take the risk and see maybe I'll try going up you know, a size or two and see if I can get away with it. Like I just um, hacked a pattern and made a cropped hoodie and I used a kente print fabric, which is similar to Ankara. And I, um, you know, just went up two sizes in the hoodie and it fits really well. And nice. that's nice. So the risk was <laughs> went well. I'm like, okay, this... This might, I might not be able to get my head through this. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Um, but yes. And even when you are, if you do want to make a fitted uh, garment, princess seams if you, for the bust mm. so that it can um, have that nice, beautiful fit. But I would definitely suggest testing on, um, on a, you know, least expensive fabric before yeah. trying to make a fitted garment for the bust. Because the Ankara, um, the Ankara is usually printed on the cross grain. Like there, it's kind of directional, like almost like a border mm -hmm. print, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, yeah, I think that's smart to use a skirt pattern because then really none of those are any stress points you can just play with the direction and because mm -hmm. you want to really play up that it looks like some of them have um really specific uh patterns on the edges or even coming towards the middle and it's got the big print and the little print and you want to like play mm -hmm. with that so yeah it seems like a skirt would be great for that Mm -hmm. And I love the body that the um, uh, the weight and the drape of the fabric gives to a skirt, you know, a gathered skirt or a circle skirt. I mean, you just have that wonderful, um, almost, I don't want to say stiff, but it stands away from the body really nicely. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yeah, jackets seem like a, a really great idea too. Structured, yeah. That's such mm -hmm. a good idea. Mm -hmm. I actually did a similar thing with quilting cotton recently where I took uh, a sweatshirt pattern so it was meant for knits and I had this great quilting cotton and I thought oh, I'm gonna give it a try same thing <laughs> it was like okay let's see how this goes and uh, it turned out pretty well but one thing that I 
didn't do well enough. I knew I was going to have to make sure I went up a size, but I really should have expanded the um, the width of the sleeves more than I oh, did because okay. I really love to scrooch things up uh, above my elbows. Okay. And I put mm. um, knitted cuffs on the sweatshirt along with the quilted co- uh, quilting cotton body. Um, and I can't quite scrunch it up above my elbow. Oh. It's a little too narrow. And so it's just, mm. it's that tiny little detail that makes me kind of not really want to reach for it to wear it on a regular basis, but I love the print so much. <laughs> so I'm kind of heartbroken. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I hear you. I hear you with that. I know sometimes when I've made certain mistakes on things, I'm like, oh, that fabric, I just loved it so much. And I only had a little bit left and you know. That's okay. Yeah. We just have to tell ourselves there will be more amazing fabric coming our way yes. at some point. There always is, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so, listen, I want to hear all about your niece's prom dress that you oh, made for her. Yes, yes. Wow. So we will, we will link to it on our show notes so people can have a look. But tell us all about this amazing dress you did. Okay, this dress had me stressed. Just first of all, <laughs> it had me dress. so stressed. <laughs> but um, uh, at first, I asked my niece, I said, you know, I asked her if she would like me to make her prom dress. And initially, during her junior year, she said, no, she was just going to buy, you know, some dress. And I said, oh, okay. And I, you know, <laughs> didn't, you know, think back. And then come the beginning of her senior year, she says that she wants the dress that Lupita wore in Black Panther. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think much about it. I said, okay, I can, I can definitely do that. I'll come up with something. And, you know, then as I started to zoom in on the detail and think about how am I going to create, you know, this embroidery, you know, type of look and um can you describe the dress that she wore in the movie oh so it's it's a long uh black dress with um green green well it's like yeah it's almost fades into it has green and then it fades into it just being black but the there's lots of green lines on a different um green pattern type design on the dress and just just beautiful and you know it's form fitting has high slits and um even um detail around the neckline um yeah it's just it's pretty spectacular beautiful and that yeah, fabric is just, not fabric you're just going to be able to find in a store somewhere for sure yeah no not at all not at all I even tried googling it to see if I could find <laughs> anything and I'm like yeah I, I was I knew I wouldn't be able to um to find that but yeah just the dress was, was gorgeous and so I just started brainstorming, how was I going to create this embroidery effect? I don't have my machine is not an embroidery machine. And so I just started looking up. Uh, I just Googled embroidery stitch on a home sewing machine. And I just started watching different videos on YouTube. And then I saw a woman doing a satin stitch. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah. hmm, I could probably use a satin stitch to create those lines if I draw everything out. Wow. So satin stitch is basically the, uh, it's like a a zigzag stitch, but with like 
so many stitches per inch that it it kind of forms Mm -hmm. a bar, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, um, so I just started practicing that stitch on different scrap pieces of fabric before I even went to buy anything, um, to make her dress. And then once I, um, I felt confident, I said, okay, I think I will be able to, to do this. And so I bought different types of fabric then, you know, and asked her which one she liked, you know, best for her dress. And she liked the crepe fabric the, the most. And I, you know, test, at first I bought, uh, just, um, a black sheet from, uh, from Walmart to test mm-hmm. out the fit on her. And once I got that down, then I cut out everything and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing good. And, you know, I had, I was doing this over my spring break from work. So I had two weeks off for spring break. Ooh. And so I thought, oh yeah, I'll have plenty of time. I'll be done with this dress in a week and I'll be on to my own garments by next week. (laughs) I was so wrong. (laughs) Once I started doing those, those lines, oh, (laughs) it took so long. I don't even know how many hours, a hundred plus. I, it was just very tedious to draw those small and those boxes were one inch by one inch boxes and I had to you know and I I put the dress together first because I wanted the lines to cross seamlessly against the seam lines Mm. and oh uh, that's how you did that Wow. Yeah, it, it, but that it makes it trickier to get into time. all of those spots to do the satin stitch, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over the seam yes. allowances and all that. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very, very tricky. And it actually started to um, shrink the dress. Oh no. Actually. Oh yeah. 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 I could see that. Especially with a, on a crepe. Yes. Crepe is a and, twisted. And I thought, oh. And I thought I made it stiff enough by, you know, putting the um, inner. So I put some interfacing before I did the satin stitch. I, you know, interfaced it, and I thought, okay, this will help it. You know, it'll be fine. But then once we had did a fitting, it wasn't fitting so much around the bust, and I had already lined it oh. and everything. And I'm like, okay, what, what are we going to do? So I'm like, well, it just won't be pr- too too pretty on the inside with the lining so that we could get this this bust fitting better. So I just started to take it in on the inside to get um to get a better fit and just have my make it work moment. <laughs> Tim Gunn style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and we made that dress work. She rocked it. Oh, she I did her hair, beautiful. she did her own makeup. And yeah. Yeah, really stunning. We'll link to that. It's really something to see. I I almost feel bad for asking you about it. I felt for a moment there we were dredging up some horrible trauma. (laughs) But it turned out it was actually it was great. It was I really it really helped me to see that, you know, I can push myself and challenge myself to create things I never I, I really didn't think I was going to finish the dress. I'm like I'm, I don't see how this is going to be possible. Like prom is just in a few days. Like, what am I, what am I doing here? This was just too big of a project, but I just, you know, had to stay patient, brainstorm, even to do some of the, the pad, the, um, 
the lines on the dress, the designs, I just started to make my own stencils and I just used the index card and X-Acto knife to cut out the design and then put that design on the different squares and then outline it. So just really just helped to, me to, you know, push my creativity and use what I had in my sewing room to just make it work. And then after that, I just felt like I can do Anything. anything I can make <laughs> anything after this there's nothing I cannot do anything I want to do I can do it that uh-huh. is amazing I want to high five you through this computer that is so great at that moment when you accomplish something that's so hard yeah. well done that is yeah, so amazing thank you and I, I'm uh, so glad you're applying your um your detailed problem solving skills to uh to sewing instead of accounting <laughs> I think it was I think it worked I well for everyone, especially for your niece. It really worked out. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I mean, she basically owes you like her firstborn child at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. Well, I make her, she, she's actually into nails now. She just got started into that. So I make her do do my nails. Yes. Super cute. So a manicure for the rest of your life, I'm thinking, yeah. is maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she also takes all of my pictures for my blog. Oh. Every, every time. Yeah. She does. Oh. I don't know how to do makeup. So she does my makeup for when I take my pictures for the blog. Oh. And she also, yeah, takes all of my pictures. So I guess I kind of do. I, you know, you know, we take care of each other in the family. Nice. You know, help each other out. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I was going to, I was thinking about asking you about your makeup. And I thought, oh, I don't know. That, that's maybe like a silly question. Because your makeup looks spectacular in your blog photos. It really Thank does. You. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I'll have to let her know. Please do. I it. have no clue what I'm doing. I know how to put on eyebrow gel and <laughs> mascara. That's all I know how to do in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but she helps me out with that. Well, the fourth and fifth graders aren't expecting too much in that in that oh, no, regard, no, right? No. <laughs> so <you're>, okay. <laughs> um, so this is a super hard question that we ask people sometimes. And it's hard because the question is, what is your favorite thing you've ever made? And I know that that freaks people out. Not everybody has one and they're like, oh my gosh. But let me put it this way. What is the thing that you strut around in feeling like a goddess when you wear it? Uh, I'll have, hmm, what is it that I, that's a hard one because I feel like that all, <laughs> I feel like that a lot. You do. Oh, that is so, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I know. That is Every so Every time awesome. I, you know, I get up, put on my clothes, I'm feeling ready to go, oh, I'm trying to pinpoint one thing. No, no, no. You know what? Don't even try to pinpoint one thing. I think you should just drop the <laughs> mic right now because mm-hmm. you feel great in everything you wear. That is amazing. I, I, I feel like that's what we all strive for is Hashtag goals. Yep. Hashtag <laughs> goals. Yes. Oh. That's, that's really, that makes me quite happy to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say when I wear my high-low circle skirts or my high-low... Uh, wrap coats. I re- I feel even more regal just because of, if I do a spin, the way it just flares out, or even the way it just blows in the wind and it flares out. I will say those are the the most dramatic things that I love to wear, especially my yellow one, mm-hmm. my yellow wrap coat. When I spin in that or in the red one, oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> Those are just... You look spectacular <laughs> the in the yellow, drape for on sure. that, yes. 
Uh-huh. Yellow is a color I really want to love and wear, but it no, it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> and that's and I have to tell myself to stop buying so much yellow because I'm so attracted to it now. Mm. Every time I see it, I'm like, okay, I want that. I want that. And it's like, get some other things, but I, I just love wearing. It's my favorite color to wear. Oh, it's so warm and beautiful. Nice. Well, I love how you do videos so we can see how those clothes move. So everyone needs to go to Montoya's channel so you can see how the high-low jacket moves and twirls and when you walk. Um, I think that's just really fun to see as a, you know, sewing blogs are great and your pictures are really amazing. Mm -hmm. But those videos uh, really give you a sense of almost like what it would be like to wear them which is fun for us sewers. Thank you. Living vicariously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a bright yellow high-low jacket, but I can watch your videos and I feel like I'm in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Videos are a whole different thing when it comes to garments because the way they move is so important as well. And I know, um, Helena, when you were visiting me here in Toronto a couple of years ago, we went to see uh, an exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum of the designer Iris Van Hel- Helpern. Did I say mm-hmm. that right? Yours Van Helprin? Yeah, I think so. Or Helprin? I forget now. Anyway, um, maybe some listeners will know her. I don't know Montoya if you've ever heard of her, but she desi- she's a Dutch designer and she makes clothes out of really unusual materials, um, often 3D printed structural pieces. Um, some of them were meant to look like bubbles bubbling up through water. Others were made from uh, the ribs from umbrellas. And uh, oh, wow. some of them were made from wires and feathers. And, it, you know, and so they were one thing to see the garments displayed in the museum. Uh, but we went to a talk with the designer and she showed a lot of videos of people modeling it on the runway. And to see them in motion was just a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was nice. great. So what are you sewing right now, Montoya? What's on your sewing table? Um, I just finished that hoodie I was telling you about. Uh Uh-huh. And I just cut out a coat. um, And I actually found the fabric in the outdoor fabric section. Yeah. Uh, So I was just browsing through and I said, "Mm, you know, fabric is fabric. Let me just try using some fabric that I've never used before. Oh, you mean like outdoor, like patio furniture type fabric? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That would be great for a jacket, right? For jackets. Yeah, that's really smart. So I was captured by... I'll show you a little bit of the... I was captured by the design. Oh, wait. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a screen cap here so we can... Everybody say cheese. Cheese. (laughs) Okay, got it. Uh, so I was captured by the design, you know, since I love prints. And I thought, hmm, okay, I think I can, even though I saw the edges were heavily fraying, I'm like, mm, sometimes frays, fraying edges make me nervous. But I thought, hmm, as soon as we cut it out, let's just surge that edge mm-hmm. right up mm-hmm. and we'll be good to go. So I'm making a, um, a wrap coat out of that. And, um, yeah, oh, I can't I'm a little see nervous it. about the collar to see if it'll be too stiff. Um, but it, it, the, the weight is not, it's not too, it's not a very stiff fabric. So I think I'll, 
I'll be okay with the collar of the coat. And I'm always a little mm. nervous about collars when it comes to fraying fabrics mm-hmm. because, of course, mm-hmm. you've got to cut those notches around the collars and you've got to get those little, you know, pinpoints. And if it's mm-hmm. going to fray, it's really... So how... Do you have plans for tackling Just interface that? that. If you have a stress point, you can put a little bit of interfacing on that bit on either side okay. and then sew it together through the interfacing and that'll that'll okay. help you there. Oh, that's okay. brilliant advice. Thank I'm you. I'll take that tip. Thank you. I keep little um, little scraps of interfacing when I have it because, mm. you know, it's expensive and so I just keep little scraps of it. I use that for that and, you know, under buttonholes and stuff like that. So it's corners like you know if you have a corner that you have to turn out and you're cutting that really tight Mm. you just interface that first cut that corner Mm. and then turn it out brilliant okay i'm gonna try that tip yeah because thank you i always get so worried about clipping that corner really close to the stitching and i guess you should also uh increase your stitch or decrease your stitch length your stitch length yeah Mm. so that you've got more stitches in that corner so they're smaller Mm -hmm. and the interfacing is a great idea too yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see it. I can't believe we're giving you tips. I mean, I look at your sewing <laughs> blog and I, what am I what am I doing here telling you anything about I'm, sewing? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a learner. I always love to just, you know, hear and learn different things, so I'm always like, "Okay, yes, please fill my bucket with more knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why we love to do this podcast cuz we learn so much from people when we're I chatting know. with them. It's so much fun. I also yeah, we wanted to ask you about um, one of your tutorials is for uh, an infinity skirt and an infinity, and an, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, and I just edit that out when I get to it. I'm gonna try that again. So, <laughs> one of the tutorials you have on your blog is for an infinity skirt and an infinity top, and I mm-hmm. this is a, a style of garment that I hadn't really heard of before. I mean, I might have seen it, but I didn't know it was called an infinity skirt or top. Um, and I'm amazed that you can get such a stunning garment out of. Basically, what it turns out to be is just a bunch of fabric rectangles. So can you explain yes. how that whole garment works? And it seems like it must be easy to put together, but maybe harder to kind of put on. <laughs> Style, yeah. Yeah, um, that one, yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, just two, just two basic long rectangles sewn together and attached in the waistband. And it's very, very simple, very easy to sew. And um, you can make it as wide as you need it for your bust. Um, so that's also great. And I also, you can wear um, a top under it. So I actually wore that dress to work, but I wore a tank top under it and then wrapped it and everyone loved it oh I bet so basically uh, it ends up the top ends up looking like a halter top right yes so you've got a band underneath your bust to which the sort of short ends of two two rectangles are attached and the rectangles come up you know one each over each breast kind of thing and then Mm -hmm. you basically twist the top of those pieces and they turn into straps is that how it all works yeah, you can choose to twist them. I actually, when I wore it to work, I decided not to twist. I just, I draped them both over my shoulders and just let the rectangles lay flat when I crossed them over um, my shoulders to make an X in the back. Ah. They were still just the full large rectangle. So um, not, you know, so can't be exposed <laughs> on the job. <laughs> no. <laughs> no wardrobe malfunctions, please. <laughs> 
So, um, yes, you can tie it and, and, and drape it in so many ways, um, you know, which is the infinity part that you can do so so you can tie it so many different ways. I haven't even explored all the different ways in which I can and tie it and, and wear it. Um, but you can really make it look like a different dress every time you try a new tying style. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so I saw, I was um, recently shopping for bridesmaid dresses because my brother's getting married and I'm in the wedding. And, um, and they have that, like an infinity, it's like a, it seems like it's just two s- rectangles on the top of a dress. The skirt is mm-hmm. big and full. And then you can tie it however you want. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was similar to that. And there were a lot of different uh, ways you could tie it. I felt like none of them were ways in which I could wear a bra. So I was thumbs down on that. So <laughs> 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 I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. But um, But wearing the tank top under it, I could see with that bright print because that would be yeah that'd be so striking and when you when you see it in that bright color it really followed the shape like almost like legos like how is that put together (laughs) trying to figure that out i love it intriguing yeah yeah i know yeah just gotta cut that waistband in half and just i uh yeah the rectangles are attached um, with, within the two pieces of the waistband and, um, doing a understitch. Oh, did you have to s- like, sew it by hand? No, 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 no. Okay, um, okay. just do <laughs> I'm not um, down for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> None of that here. We know our limits, right? Helena, you know your limits. Just like, yeah, yeah not going to do that. No. <laughs> well, Montoya, we don't want to keep you too, too long. I mean, we could we could talk forever, uh, but I see we're, you know, almost almost filled up a whole hour here. I know. Oh, well, one last thing I will say is I just started thinking about putting together my, my why. I like to have a why for everything. Like, I've really been thinking about, like, my why for sewing and, mm. you know, why I choose to sew and, you know, do this hobby because... I will say about mm, maybe about five months ago, I was just feeling drained and didn't really have much sojo. I was, you know, just like, ah, there's nothing I I want to make or I'm not in the mood to do any sewing. So I had to reflect on my why. Like, why do I sew? Why did I start sewing in the first place? I just had to go back um, to basics because sometimes when you get to doing YouTube or get to doing sewing as business you can kind of get lost in you know and I just had to reflect back on I create clothes because you know it, it challenges me but I also love to wear my garments so whatever I choose to create it needs to be something that I'm going to wear especially if I'm putting in the time to make it. I don't just want to sew just to take a picture for my blog. I actually want to to love the garment that I made. And uh, so, yeah, just always going back to my why keeps me going and motivated to keep making garments. That is so smart. 
to, ah, to great advice. reflect on that yeah. occasionally or or often as the case may be. Because, yeah, it you can feel a sense of duty or even drudgery sometimes when you keep a blog and you think, well, I should post something, and but I didn't make mm-hmm. anything recently, so what am I going to do? Yeah. It's important to to do that because sometimes I feel like I get caught up in the social media thing as well. Like, well, I should Mm -hmm. sew something so I have something to talk about. But Mm -hmm. I think that's the wrong approach. Thank you so much, Montoya. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm like, oh, wow, me? Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Absolutely you. Oh, we're thrilled. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. both such big fans and just so yep. amazed by your style and the personality that oozes out of not only your YouTube channel, because you can show your yeah. personality on a video, but even through those photographs. And yeah, so it's it's uh, mm. it's really wonderful to see you out there. And it's even better to meet you here in person. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.